Radio. That's right, PCRcollective.org. We'll see you there. for long. 
Scott Heron, Gun. Welcome to Labor and Love. Brother man now they living in the ghetto. Where the danger showed up for real. Well, when he's out late at night, if he's got his head on right, I lay you down to five, he's walking with his steel. Brother man say he's afraid of gangsters. He's messing with people just for fun. He said he don't want to be next, he's got a family to protect. So just last week he bought himself a gun, and everybody got a pistol. This is the Labor and Love radio show, and I'm the B. So you got it all right. You're here. It's 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning in autumn. This is the Labor and Love show where we tell you how it is. And it all takes place from 2781 21st Street 
Mutiny Radio, come on down. Community Music Center, etc., etc. Good morning. This is a labor and love show where we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a place at the table where you work, that's the negotiating table, you're on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. When I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Morning, everybody. Welcome. Hope you had a good week and good work. Thanks for joining me this morning. What do we got coming at you this time? We got Well, we got Fred Glass's History of California Labor, which we'll play later on, Chapter 5, uh, about labor's place in World War II and the post-war world. Such a crucial time, that post-war time when the people who had collaborated with the Germans uh, in some cases actually did business with them while the war was going on. When they turned and they said the real danger in America was not right-wing business types cooperating with the Nazis, And we know that when troops landed at uh, D-Day, June 6, 1944, they were attacked with American-made weapons, some of them. So it wasn't them, it wasn't the Bushes or the Harrimans or the people who continued to do business with the Nazis. Wasn't John Foster Dulles and his brother Alan and the people they served who actually made a deal and and uh, spirited a German general in Italy away a to safety into Switzerland where he would be safe. Wasn't those people, wasn't the right-wing people, wasn't the, the fascists, the American fascists. It was some communists from the 1930s the Red Scare, the McCarthy era, was a total, totally cooked up way to shift the blame, what had happened in World War II, onto communists. At the time, Russia was our ally. So of course you were. Of course you were, uh, if you were American, you wanted the Russians to win. The Russians bore the great brunt of deaths in the war anyway. The Western Front was relatively minor and low-key compared to the Russian Front. At any rate, this is the time when those people regain power, pass things like the Taft-Hartley Law to... Uh, undermine labor and organizing. So we're going to see about that. Poems by Carl Sandburg, by 
Rachel Lindsay. How about the Big Rock Candy Mountain, the dream of working men in the uh, early part of the 20th century? Francisco Herrera, he'll perform. At least we'll listen to his CD. We'll hear John Keats to Autumn. Who is Sean Doolittle and why is he refusing to go to the White House? Who won and who lost in the GM strike? And the Chicago teachers settled their strike. I believe it was 11 days. We'll find out a little more about that. Um, how about 10 right-wing companies that people of conscience, people, political people, woke people in the jargon of today should have nothing to do with and our credos, the things we believe here on Labor and Love. Share those with you. Oh, the question for today is, question for today, <laughs> uh, 39 Vietnamese people were found uh, dead in the back of a container truck they were jammed together, evidently being trafficked to England. 39 of them were found dead. How many among them were millionaires? How many millionaires were found dead in the back of container trucks? We'll have to think about that one. <laughs> the empty set. Anyway, welcome to Labor and Love we're going to have radio labor. We're going to have news broke. Francesca Fiorentini, if we've, and then Francesca Ramsey also. Have to look her up. Burgerville workers in the UK are on strike. History and labor history in two minutes. And it's all here on Labor and Love. Welcome. Radio Labor is our weekly news report of happenings all over the globe. So let's give it this. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, November 1st, 2019. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, the world's 70 million domestic workers need union support. How labor in small island states can tackle the climate crisis. The Labor Start report about union events around the world and singing. This is Radio Labor. I didn't want to become a domestic worker. For me, it was a shameful job. The lowest form of work. I wanted to be a teacher. But I had no option. My parents are farmers. I have 10 brothers and sisters. 
I had to earn money to support my parents. That is Noelita Palasok from the Philippines. She's one of the world's 70 million domestic workers. In her talk she gave in Geneva, Ms. Palasok described the years of abuse, sexual harassment, and poor pay she endured as a domestic worker in various countries. She managed to send money to her parents and even save for teachers' college. She returned to the Philippines after working in the Gulf, graduated as a teacher, and got a job. I thought it was a dream job, but I earned less than I expected. My salary is lower than the salary of a domestic worker. So I quit my job and back to domestic worker again. At this time, a friend, Himaya, tried to convince me to join the union. She is a former domestic worker, but now an organizer of domestic worker. She said, Novelita, please come join the union. No, I replied. But then the second time again, she approached me. Novelita, the union can help you. And then by the second time, I said, no again. I was in denial about my situation. I still felt that domestic work was shameful. But in the end, I went to a regional meeting called the United Domestic Workers Action Group, now called the United Domestic Workers Union in the Philippines. It was an eye-opener. They tell me about my rights and responsibilities of the employer. I realized that domestic work was decent work and not shameful. So the group, which I avoided for so long, changed my life. Today, I work to make ensure that no other domestic workers experience what I did. And in 2014, I joined the union. And in 2015, I was elected as a chapter president. And in 2017, I became the national president. big responsibility, but members choose me to represent well their issues and concerns. What we have achieved so far, in just three years, we have grown up to 200 to 2,000 members. This is a lot because many domestic workers are afraid of joining union. They fear that their employers would fire them if they join the union. We ensure that ILO Convention 189 and Domestic Workers Act in 2012 was implemented. We have built an organization that listens to domestic workers, promote and defend our rights. We also help domestic workers to better negotiate with their rights and to stop sexual harassment and abuse. They can tell us now that they can better negotiate rights, add for additional day offs, and pay for them their social benefits. We joined the International Domestic Workers Federation, a global half million of domestic workers fighting for our rights. And I was elected as a regional representative in Asia in the International Domestic Workers Federation.
can hear Ms. Palasok's full speech on the Radio Labor website at www.radiolabor.net. This is C. Marie Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labor. Perhaps the countries most endangered by climate change are small island states. The difficulties for these countries are exacerbated because of their small geographical area, isolation, and exposure. They suffer effects such as rising sea levels, altered rain patterns, and storm surges. Because these factors can have significant effects on employment, labor unions are often at the forefront of climate change responses. To find out how small island states are coping with climate change, I talked to Tony Moore. Ms. Moore is the General Secretary of the Barbados Workers' Union. Barbados is part of the Caribbean region of small islands. I asked Ms. Moore how her country, Barbados, and the rest of the Caribbean are confronting climate change. Certainly building the resilience of small and vulnerable states to deal with the effects of climate change is a priority for Barbados and our neighboring countries because it has to be a priority for our country. Barbados and other countries in the region are very susceptible because what we have been experiencing over time is increases in, in the sea level, the rising sea level. Of course, we are exposed to increases in storm surge levels and with climate change, we have also been experiencing changes in our rainfall patterns. So climate change has its importance to us, is of a high priority to us because a number of our countries depend on tourism and those countries that aren't heavily dependent on tourism are heavily dependent on agriculture. And as you would imagine, the erosion of our coasts and the changes in the rainfall patterns and the severe weather effects, all of these can combine or even individually offset our tourism product and offset our agricultural base. So we have been particularly concerned what can we do, what can be done, even if we can't do it, to make sure we can offset these rapid negative occurrences so that they don't trigger bigger problems for us. What can labor unions, especially in small countries like Barbados, do to help meet the challenges of climate change? As it relates to what can trade unions do, it is what a number of trade unions have been doing, and certainly our own trade union. We have been focusing on worker education, using this as part of our um, curriculum for workers, because each citizen has to be able to see the negative impact as they are, because it is so easy for people to become preoccupied with the fact that the trade union should be about salary increases and should be about conditions at work. But the trade union movement has to be concerned with improving the general quality of life for people. And that speaks to an objective of our sustainability. 
And so we have been focusing on the issue of climate change in our programs at our labor college when we meet at our annual delegate conferences speaking on these issues, speaking to these broad issues, sensitizing our workers, having their feedback so that as we prepare to make resolutions or advocacy in one form or next to our government, that we are in a position to do that. Here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Each day, Labor Starts volunteers collect hundreds of news items about workers and their unions from around the world in 31 languages. Here's a small sample of those stories. Our top stories section included links to coverage of the Chile protests and the key role played by workers and their unions in organizing them, the attempted assassination of education union leaders in the Philippines, and a week of rotating strikes in Algeria that led to a national general strike. We also had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. We carried stories about wage strikes by fine art museum workers in Canada, bank and insurance workers in Mali, Belgian and French retail workers, Algerian university workers, Portuguese healthcare and call center workers, police officers in Haiti, Libyan teachers, and casino workers in Australia. Walkouts caused by ongoing government austerity policies were underway this week around the world. Israeli embassies around the world were closed as diplomats and military attaches downed visa stamps. And American teachers were fighting to reverse decades of cuts to education funding. Attacks on basic labor rights provoked a response in South Korea, where a 500 days long walkout ended in a victory when their employer agreed to recognize the workers' union. Our Working Women pages, now available in eight languages, included stories about the epidemic of mental health problems amongst Japanese women workers, the result of workplace harassment, a catch-up on wages strike by Spanish women footballers, an Australian study that links terrible working conditions and low care standards in long-term care facilities with the fact that the vast majority of care workers in Australia are women, and a victory in the courts for activists fighting workplace sexual harassment in South Africa. The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the abduction of a group of Malayan teachers, the aggression from drivers that parking enforcement workers in Spain are subject to, and the increasing severity of their injuries that result, and the workplace murder of a Canadian care worker. Currently, Labor Start is running two online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is the British singing group, The Workers, with Let's Work Together. Together we will stand every 
That's it. International labor news you can use. You can find our features and daily newscasts on our website at www.radiolabor.net. Hi, Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, that was our radio labor report. Especially touching was that... uh woman talking about how many times she turned down this membership, is solidarity news. membership in the labor union until finally she saw the sense in it and uh, became uh, a dedicated unionist that's how it happens forgot to identify our first set that we played Started out with Leela James and a beautiful version of Sam Cooke's, uh, <coughs> excuse me, A Change Is Gonna Come. Then we had an instrumental version of Guantanamera by the Lobos and finished up our first set with Gil Scott Heron and his song, Gun, Everybody's Got a Gun, Everybody's got a pistol okay I was looking into the uh, 39 people 39 well Chinese people okay this is ABC News two more arrested in connection with 39 Chinese found dead in tractor trailer Presumably, they were being trafficked into the United Kingdom where they uh, could find better work. It's hard to believe that uh, there was any other reason for them to come. But um, let's see what... 39 people. They were found in the back of a... uh, a truck, two people have been arrested. If we can get some sound here. Okay. Driver arrested after 39 bodies were found in a tractor trailer. first 11 victims were transported to the mortuary at Broomfield Hospital, about 25 miles north of the town of Grays. 
First autopsy on one of the victims will be conducted Friday. Officials said it will take some time to get formal identifications of the victims. First autopsy on one of the victims will be, as we said, on Friday. This is the largest investigation of its kind. So a Vietnamese woman is now feared among the victims. A victim, a Vietnamese woman who works as a coordinator at Human Rights Space tweeted on Friday that a 26-year-old woman's family are trying to confirm whether or not she was on the truck. The Chinese embassy has sent a team. The trailer traveled into the UK from Belgian coastal town of Zeebrugge. That's why there were first reports that it was Belgians in there. Obviously, case of human trafficking, and why are people human trafficked anyway? They're human trafficked so they can work, they can have a better life. Let's listen to what they say. A teenager suspected migrants who'd come in search of a better life, instead dying in what appears to be a people smuggling operation. The truck registered in Bulgaria, crossing into Britain by ferry just after midnight, seen here on surveillance video. The gruesome cargo discovered by emergency services, called to the scene just 20 miles from London. A murder investigation now launched, police not identifying suspects, but the truck driver, a 25-year-old man from Northern Ireland, is reported to be in custody. It's highly unlikely those dead are Europeans. Tragically, it's happened before. And then it was refugees desperate to escape war-torn countries like Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan. David? Ian Pennell tonight, thank you. Hey. Hey. I spoke to her. Hearing any music? Uh, no, I'm not. I don't see any. I don't see any music going. So, how many of those people were uh, millionaires? Not many. Probably not very many. And um, why is that? I think if we look into of course, people are going to say, well, obviously, no, there aren't any millionaires because, it, because millionaires don't have to try to leave their country and find work or make their lives better. That's not their problem, right? 
Okay, let's play some work songs, and I love this one. Probably the hottest work song of all time. Okay, Dolly Parton minding us about nine to five, that nine to five job. Several others here that we'll have to play uh, later on. And um, let's see. How about the old Pete Seeger album? Old Pete Seeger album of the Big Rock Candy Mountain. The Dreamland. Imagined by working guy, working stiffs and uh, hobos. People they called hobos going around the, the country looking for work. Here it is. One evening as the sun went down and the jungle fires were burning, down the track came a hobo hiking. He said, boys, I'm not turning. I'm heading for a land that's far away beside that crystal fountain. I'll see you all this coming fall in the big rock candy mountains. In the big rock candy mountains, it's a land that's fair and bright. The handouts grow on bushes and you sleep out every night. The boxcars all are empty, the sun shines every day. I'm bound to go where there ain't no snow, where the sleet don't fall and the wind don't blow. In the big rock candy mountains, oh, the buzzing of the bees in the cigarette trees. By the soda water fountain, by the lemonade springs where the bluebird sings. In the big rock candy mountains, in the big rock candy mountains, you never change your socks. Little streams of alcohol come trickling down the rocks. Oh, the shacks all have to tip their hats. The railroad bulls are blind. There's a lake of stew and ginger ale, too. You can paddle all around it in a big canoe in the big rock candy mountains. Oh, the buzzing of the bees in the cigarette trees by the soda water fountain. By the lemonade springs where the bluebird sings in the big rock candy mountains. In the big rock candy mountains, the cops have wooden legs. The bulldogs all have rubber teeth and the hens lay soft boiled eggs. The boxcars all are empty and the sun shines every day. I'm bound to go where there ain't no snow, where the sleet don't fall and the wind don't blow. In the big rock candy mountains, oh, the buzzing of the bees in the cigarette trees. By the soda water fountain, by the lemonade springs, where the bluebird sings in the big rock candy mountains. In the big rock candy mountains, the jails are made of tin. 
You can slip right out again as soon as they put you in. There ain't no short handle shovels, no axes, saws, nor picks. I'm bound to stay where you sleep all day, where they hung the jerk that invented work in the big rock candy mountain. Over, buzzing of the bees in the cigarette trees, by the soda water fountain, by the lemonade springs where the bluebird sings in the big rock candy mountain. Go ahead and wild out. I call you P. Uh, 
little alley in San Francisco, back of the southern. There was a little alley in San Francisco, back of the Southern Pacific Station at 3rd and Townsend, in red brick of drowsy, lazy afternoons with everybody at work and offices. In the air, you feel the impending rush of their commuter frenzy, as soon they'll be charging en masse from market and sansom buildings on foot and in buses and all well-dressed through working man Frisco of walk-up truck drivers. And even the poor grime be marked Third Street of lost bums, even Negroes so hopeless and long left East and meanings of responsibility and try, that now all they do is stand there spitting in the broken glass, sometimes 50 in one afternoon against one wall at 3rd and Howard. Here's all these Milbray and San Carlos neat necktied producers and commuters of America and steel civilization rushing by with San Francisco chronicles and green call bulletins, not even enough time to be disdainful. They've got to catch 130, 132, 134, 136, all the way up to 146, till the time of evening supper in homes of the railroad earth, when high in the sky the magic stars ride above the following hotshot freight trains. It's all in California. It's all a sea. I swim out of it in afternoons of sun-hot meditation in my jeans with head on handkerchief on Brakeman's lantern, or if not working, on book. I look up at blue sky of perfect lost purity, and feel the warp of wood of old America beneath me. And I have insane conversations with Negroes in second-story windows above, and everything is pouring in. The switching moves of boxcars in that little alley, which is so much like the alleys of Lowell, and I hear far off in the sense of coming night that engine calling our mountains. But it was that beautiful cut of clouds I could always see above the little SP alley, puffs, floating by from Oakland, or the gate of Marin to the north or San Jose south, the clarity of Cal to break your heart. It was the fantastic drowse and drum hum of lum mum afternoon, nothing to do. Old Frisco with end of land sadness. The people the alley full of trucks and cars of businesses nearabouts. Nobody knew or far from cared who I was all my life, 3,500 miles from birth all opened up and at last belonged to me in great America. And now it's night in Third Street. The keen little neons and also yellow bulb lights of impossible to believe flops the dark, ruined shadows moving back of torn yellow shades like a degenerate China with no money. 
The cat's in Annie's alley. The flop comes on, moans, rolls. The street is loaded with darkness. Blue sky above with stars hanging high over old hotel roofs and blowers of hotels mooning out dusts of interior. The grime inside the word in mouths falling out tooth by tooth. The reading rooms tick-tock big clock with creek chair and slant boards and old faces looking up over rimless spectacles bought in some West Virginia or Florida or Liverpool, England pawn shop long before I was born. And across rains, they've come to the end of the land sadness, end of the world gladness. All your San Francisco will have to fall eventually and burn again. But I'm walking, and one night, a bum fell into the hole of the construction job where they're tearing a sewer by day. The husky Pacific and electric youths in torn jeans who work there, often I think of going up to some of them, like, say, blonde ones with wild hair and torn shirts, and they say, you ought to apply for the railroad. It's much easier work. You don't stand around the street all day and you get much more pay. But this bum fell in the hole. You saw his foot stick out. British MG, also driven by some eccentric, once backed into that hole. And as I came home from a long Saturday afternoon local to Hollister out of San Jose, miles away across virtuous fields of prune and juice joy, here's this British MG backed and legs up, wheels up into a pit and bums and cops standing right outside the coffee shop. It was the way they fenced it, but he never had the nerve to do it due to the fact that he had no money and nowhere to go. And no, oh, his father was dead. No, oh, his mother was dead. No, oh, his sister was dead. No, oh, his whereabout was dead, was dead. But and then at that time also, I used to lay in my room on long Saturday afternoons listening to Jumpin' George with my fifth tokay, no tea, and just under the sheets laugh to hear the crazy music. Mama, he treats your daughter mean. Mama, Papa, don't you come in here, I'll kill you, etc. Getting high by myself in room glooms, and all wondrous knowing about the Negro, the essential American, out there, always finding his solace, his meaning, in the Fellaheen street, and not an abstract morality. And even when he has a church, you see the pastor out front bowing to the ladies on the make. You hear his great vibrant voice on the Sunday afternoon sidewalk full of sexual vibratos, saying, why, yes, ma'am, but the gospel do say that man was born of woman's womb. <laughs> no, and so, by that time, I come crawling out of my warm sack and hit the street. When I see the railroad ain't gonna call me till 5 a.m. Sunday morning, probably, for a local out of Bay Shore. In fact, always for a local out of Bay Shore. And I go to the whale bar of all the wild bars in the world, the one and only Third and Howard. And there I go in and drink with the madmen, and if I get drunk, I get. The girl who come up to me in there one night, I was there with Al Buckle, said to me, you wanna play with me tonight, Jim? And I didn't think I, I didn't think I had enough money. And I told this to Charlie Lowe, and he laughed, said, how do you know she wanted money? Always take the chance that she might be out just for love, or just out for love, you know what I mean, don't be a sucker. She was a good-looking doll, and she said, how would you like to ooh your cool with me, mon? And I stood there like a jerk. In fact, bought drink, got drink drunk that night in a 299 club. I was hit by the proprietor, the band breaking up the fight, before I had a chance to decide to hit him back, which I didn't want to do anyway. And out on the street, I tried to rush back in, but they had locked the door and were looking at me through the forbidden glass in the door with faces like undersea. I should have played with her shoo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-
That was Jack Kerouac with October in the Railroad Earth. And before that, we had The Clash. Job opportunities, the kid keeps saying. Or do you want to be a cop? Opportunity, the kind that never knocks. And before that, Pete Seeger with The Working Man's Dreamland, the Big Rock Candy Mountain, where all the bulldogs have rubber teeth. Beautiful piece of uh, labor culture there. Let's take a look now at our three strikes. Our three strikes um, feature. Okay. Number one is uh, Burgerville workers. Now, Burgerville is a big uh, burger place in the British Isles. Members of the Industrial Workers of the World organized into the Burgerville Workers Union. Officially launched a strike today as negotiations with Burgerville corporate broke down following a year of stalling and refusal on the part of bosses to address worker demands. The Burgerville Workers Union, which has grown into a network of several stores, identified officially as union shops, bolstered by a strong base of support within the wider community and labor movement. The union has also called several strikes and pulled off multiple job actions and pickets since they first launched. Okay. Take a look at the libcom.org website for more information around about that. Burgerville. Strike number two. GM workers strike, which went on for months and was finally settled. Uh, sort of a mixed bag, not a not a perfect victory for the workers, but uh, you know what they did was they maintained a strike for over two months and got some of their demands. This is on the Labor Notes website. The auto workers' strike against General Motors came to a close this weekend after six weeks on the picket lines with workers voting to ratify a contract that was clearly unloved but accepted with a yes vote of 57%. UAW members faced a raft of opportunities and challenges going into these negotiations, some of them unprecedented, some familiar. When the UAW took on General Motors in 1970, then the largest and most powerful industrial firm in the country, there were 470,000 union members on the picket lines. After decades of sped-up assembly lines, outsourced jobs, offshore factories, and declining market share, that number dwindled to less than 50,000. In the 1970s strike, the union made clear aggressive demands 
a 30 years and out retirement package and unlimited cost of living raises, and it won. This time the union was vague. Fair wages, job security, our share of profits, affordable quality health care, and a defined path to permanent seniority for temp workers. Members were told no more than that. Recapping the contract, job security, what happened with that? Though union officials spoke of their desire to bring back production from Mexico, contract is silent on that. Three U.S. factories and one parts depot will close. GM says its investment will retain or create 9,000 jobs, but GM has routinely flouted language on investment and job security. Check it out at Labor Notes website. Kind of a mixed bag in that the company was vague instead of committing to numbers or timelines, they would just mention an issue. Okay, Chicago workers, I want to take a look at that. Chicago workers went out on strike about a week and a half ago. And after 11 days, that strike was settled. And one of the uh, outcomes of that strike, which is a bit more positive for the workers than the union strike, uh, the auto workers union strike. <clears throat> okay, Chicago work Chicago teachers and students return to class Friday as 15 day strike ends. This is ABC. Let's see what they've got. The uh, Chicago one demand I know was that they wanted to have a nurse in every school. Principals, teachers, students, and especially parents are very relieved that this strike is over. And while the teachers union accomplished a lot with this contract, the question now is, can CPS afford it? Back in class, and while the strike is history, this CPS teacher used the walkout as a teaching moment on civic engagement in his sixth grade social studies class. Some say the lesson learned is the strike paid off for the teachers. Do we accomplish every single thing? No, but I can, I can say that we move the just that we move the needle on educational justice in the city. And we're proud of that. Staffing and class size guarantees and wage hikes for support staff are all part of a contract that some have placed a price tag at over a billion dollars. We were not um, interested in doing something that we couldn't afford. Mayor Lori Lightfoot says the CPS budget team crunched the numbers and priced out proposals as teachers made their demands. My hope is, is that we're going to be able to pay for it with existing um, resources that are coming in. For principals, their concern right now is getting their schools back on schedule. It's going to take a 
couple days to figure out probably some calendar items, but the, the biggest thing is that kids are in class, kids are back in school, teachers are here, and our community is back together, and I think that's, that's what you focus on. With a Friday return day on the day after Halloween, attendance was lower than normal at many CPS schools, but some parents say after 11 days at home, they made sure their kids went to school today. At this point, they were ready to come back. <laughs> they children usually don't want to go to school, but they really wanted to be here. And students do need to know that they are going to have to make up five of those days. And while the union did accomplish a lot with this contract, CTU President, Vice President, or Vice President Jesse Sharkey says that the union is not going to be quiet. They're not going away. They're going to continue to fight for justice in schools. Okay, there's the skinny on the Chicago teacher strike. They got a, a small wage raise, but what happened more important was that there's more staff at the school sites. Um, as usual, <clears throat> it looks like Chicago's going to pass some more taxes, and these are, again, our taxes that people can vote on. Some taxes are not. <laughs> like that. So a lot of times school bonds or taxes to raise money for education fail because the voters can vote on them. There are people who think that if they don't have any kids, why should they pay for education? Well, tax money for education is better spent on schools than on prisons or than on throwing people in jail or uh, got to feel safe when you walk down the street. Maybe you should think about that. Here's John Mayall. All right, mister, we're ready. Where's the announcer, man? Ladies and gentlemen, John hey. Mayall. Hey, I'm going to leave I'll say it again, John ah. Mayall. <laughs> That's right. Um, a little more light over here so you can see who's here. That's it. No, no, that's, that's better. Yeah. Over here on my left, uh, Johnny Armand on tenor, alto, and flutes. And sitting down playing acoustic fingerstyle guitar, John Mark. Bass, Stephen Thompson.
passion to say you're right and say you're wrong. It seems to be the fashion to say you're right and say you're wrong. You gotta see both sides. You find yourself in jail for long. Screaming at policemen 
You're not better than me I'd like to ask you some questions If we can speak honestly What do you feel when you see All the homeless on the street? Who do you pray for at night Before you go to sleep? What do you feel when you look in the mirror? Are you proud? How do you sleep while the rest of us cry? How do you dream when a mother has no chance to say goodbye? You know. 
Mr. President, you'd never take a walk with me. That was Pink with uh, her Mr. President. Before that, we had uh, John Mayall. I'm going to play one more before we go to uh, labor history. Um, Los Lobos again. Tanto tiempo disfrutamos de este amor, nuestras almas se acercaron. Tanto así que yo guardo tu sabor, como tú llevas también sabor a mí. Si negaras mi presencia en tu vivir, bastaría con abrazarte. Y conversar, tanta vida yo te di, que por fuerzas llevarás sabor a mí. No pretendo ser tu dueño, no soy nada, yo no tengo Pasarán más de mil años, muchos más, yo no sé si tengamos la eternidad, pero allá tal como aquí, y en la boca llevarás sabor a mí.
soy tan pobre que otra cosa puedo dar. Pasarán más de mil años, muchos más. Yo no sé si tenga amor, la eternidad, pero allá tal como aquí. Y en la boca llevarás sabor a mí. Los Lobos, Sabor a Mí. Uh, preceding that was Pink with her song, Mr. President. How do you sleep at night? For that, John Mayall with The Laws Must Change, and you know they must. So right now, let's get on with our History of California Labor Movement by Fred Glass, Golden Land's Working Hands. Last week we covered the era of the Depression, which was a big boom time for labor. Uh, people without anything, people with, struggling without much hope, create their own. They get together, they work together, they make unions, they demand rights. They demand things like social security and uh, unemployment insurance and job safety. Okay, today we're going to cover the period of World War II. How did labor fare during and directly after World War II? Labor power grows dramatically during the Depression. But unions can't end the economic hard times. The war does. It converts automobile factories to tank and aircraft production. To the Golden State is added a new luster, full employment in high-paying union defense jobs. There was lots of money everywhere, more money than the valley had seen in a long, long time. And everybody wanted to spend it. No wonder people are flocking to see the Oldsmobile B-44. They know there's a B-44 for every buyer. The composition of the workforce, the union rank and file, is transformed by the war. From each state in the union and almost every hamlet in the nation, these 20th century pioneers converged on San Francisco Bay. African Americans come up from the South to work in shipyards. Now tell me, brother pilgrim, tell me where I'm bound. You're bound for dear old Canaan to that enchanted ground. My cousin lived in Marin City, 
was a welder in Sausalito Marin Shipyard. She wrote that we should come here and work. So I came out on the train. Uh, they only had two coaches for black people. And I rode in the aisle on my suitcase. I sat on my suitcase the distance from Shreveport to California. So I started making a dollar and twenty an hour, where I had made a little more perhaps than a dollar twenty a week in Shreveport. Things was really looking up for me. White farming families emigrate from Oklahoma, Arkansas, and the Southwest. Out of the dust bowl and westward we rolled, and your deserts are hot and your mountains are cold. Women exchange housework for a good union paycheck in the war industries. So I took a course that the government gave and learned all about uh, how you go about doing it in a theoretical way. We had nothing but paper and pencil to help us. Uh, and I passed my little test very well and went right over to Kaiser. They are taking to welding as though the welding rod were a needle and the metal a length of cloth to be sewn. After a short apprenticeship, a woman can operate this drill press as easily as a juice extractor in her own kitchen. Shipyards become the birthplace of a modern navy. At any time the tide dictated, day or night, rain or shine, ships quietly slipped into San Francisco Bay faster and faster. To ensure uninterrupted production, the government persuades companies to stop resisting labor organizing. Unions are granted the closed shop. Workers must join the union as a condition of employment. The newcomer became a member of the shipyard family by signing at the employment office. He was recorded as a home front worker and secured his union membership and clearance. In return, unions agree to a no-strike pledge for the duration of the war. Now, grievance procedures, not work stoppages, resolve conflict. Direct rank-and-file involvement and mass participation is replaced by a more bureaucratic union representation system. The union's responses to these changes in the workforce vary. When shipyards arise overnight in Oakland, Richmond, and Sausalito, membership in the AFL Boilermakers Union Local 6 grows from 2,000 to 40,000. At first, the leadership of this local refuses to admit blacks, even after the Boilermakers across the bay pass a resolution urging them to integrate. Oddly enough, Ed Rainbow, business manager of Local 6, is a Native American. By the weird logic of the period, he is considered white. Under pressure from the government and community groups, the Boilermakers create a separate local for African Americans. This isn't good enough for Joseph James, a San Francisco NAACP activist who works as a welder in Marinship, or Ray Thompson, an East Bay shipfitter. They lead campaigns for fair employment practices in the yards and by the union. Early in 1945, the union agrees to integrate its local. Other unions don't need to be urged to offer full membership rights. Shipyard Labor's Local 886 also grows from a relative handful to 18,000 members. Unlike the Boilermakers, it admits everyone, as a glimpse of a membership meeting in 1943 shows. Local 886 makes a film to show new workers introducing them to the union, its officers, and what it stands for. No favoritism is shown to any color or creed. Every man and woman has exactly the same rights and privileges as the next. Shipyard laborers practices what it preaches. 
hiring Harry Lumsden to work for the local as a staff representative. Other unions go one step further. The CIO United Auto Workers, organizing in Southern California aircraft plants, insists on anti-discrimination clauses in its contracts. Pervasive racial and sexual discrimination is practiced by corporations. The president of North American Aviation expresses a typical attitude. While we are in complete sympathy with the Negro, it is against company policy to employ them as aircraft workers or mechanics. In protest, A. Philip Randolph and C. L. Dellums of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, an all-black AFL railroad union, threatened to organize a national African-American march on Washington. Fearing negative publicity during the war for democracy, Roosevelt signs Executive Order 8802 mandating fair employment practices in war industries. Unfortunately, enforcement ends with the close of the war. And all's calm, tumbling down. Okay, that was the uh, segment, Golden Land's Working Hands, about World War II and the uh, aftermath. That's when Taft-Hartley was passed. Taft-Hartley basically curtailed the rights of unions to strike, and more importantly, it required that all union leaders sign loyalty oaths to say that they weren't uh, communists, members of the Communist Party. So a lot of unions turned on their members who were or were suspected to be members of the Communist Party and kicked them out, which meant the labor union was losing some of its most effective organizers. Okay, it's about time. We got maybe 10 minutes. Let's look at the credos, the things that we stand for on this show. Statements that define who we are and what we do. This is one from uh, Utah Phillips talking about memory. Kids don't have a little brother working in the coal mine. They don't have a little sister coughing her lungs out in the looms of the big mill towns in the Northeast. Why? Because we organized. We broke the back of the sweatshops in this country. We have child labor laws. Those were not benevolent gifts from the enlightened management. They were fought for, they were bled for, they were died for by working people, by people like us. Kids ought to know that. That's why I sing these songs. That's why I tell these stories, damn it. No root, no fruit. Amen, huh? The most revolutionary thing is a long memory. 
Number two, when the penalty for aborting after rape is more severe than the penalty for rape, then you know it's a war on women. Okay? It's more important for the powers that be, the old white men who make the laws, to make sure that women don't have any rights over their own body. Anyone who doesn't have power of their own body is a slave. It's the very definition of slavery. This one from Jesse Memmer. Can I tell you a secret? I don't even care if they're undocumented immigrants in this country. Without Social Security numbers, they aren't privy to the welfare people claim they get. The vast majority of them are normal people trying to live a better life. This whole wall deport the illegals bullshit is just the 1% convincing the working people to blame a subset of the working poor for the fact that they're all poor. Instead of realizing the reason they are all poor is due to the vast income inequality and resource price inflation in combination with wage stagnation. Reason you're broke, reason you're poor is because your boss won't raise your wages. Please use your brains. The existence of another poor person is not why you're poor. It's because the people who control everything refuse to increase your wages. And you know, you always run into people who say they're not into politics. So, you're just not that into politics. Your boss is, your landlord is, your insurance company is, and every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. Maybe it's time to get into politics, huh? Maybe it's time. So let me see if I've got this right, a woman writes. I'm not allowed to get an abortion because I didn't realize I was pregnant till six weeks. I'm not allowed to get my tubes tied to prevent any more pregnancies because once again it has to be someone else's rules, what I do with my body. Cut funding to Planned Parenthood so now I can no longer get the cheap birth control to prevent a pregnancy. Not all insurance covers birth control. Cut funding to CHIP, WIC, and food stamps, making it harder for single mothers to take care of the child they were forced to have. I think I got it now. Government can't tell you what guns you can own because that's violating your rights as an American citizen. But it's totally okay to, for them to tell me what I can and can't do with my own body because my rights aren't being violated or because... My rights as a woman just aren't that important. <laughs> How about that one? Finally, credo number six. Pity the nation. 
by Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Pity the nation whose people are sheep and whose shepherds mislead them. Pity the nation whose leaders are liars, whose sages are silenced, and whose bigots haunt the airwaves. Pity the nation that raises not its voice except to praise conquerors and acclaim the bully as hero and aims to rule the world by force and torture. Pity the nation that knows no other language but its own and no other culture but its own. Pity the nation whose breath is money and sleeps the sleep of the too well-fed. Pity the nation, oh pity the people who allow their rights to erode and their freedoms to be washed away. My country, tears of thee, sweet land of liberty. Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Okay, so those are the credos, those are the things we believe in here in uh, Labor and Love Radio. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the negotiating table, You're on the menu. Remember, never let you open your heart to anyone who's not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Hello, Vita. Hello, Yemen. Hello, Solina. It don't make sense if you can't make peace. You know, the blues speak of so many things and making a kind of variety of the program. It requires a lot of different facts of life that we must know about. And when you think about the various nations of the earth, the various religions of the earth, various nationalities, the various people all over the world, we have been able to make anything that we want to make and do anything we want to do. Have created miracles, but it don't make sense when we can't make peace. You made everything else. Wise men, great men from every nation in the world, all the countries in the world have all kinds of conventions and festivals. Spend all the money. Suppose you had to spend half as much money on trying to make peace as you have been making war. We wouldn't have to worry about nothing. But it don't make sense. It don't make sense. It don't make sense when you can't make peace.
Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch
Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 499. Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. (laughs) 
subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. in San Francisco comedy scene. Maybe you want time to do jokes. Well, this is the place to do it. Mutiny Radio. We have three open mic a week just for you. Monday's joke workshop from 6 to 8. Come and get